can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? Episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean Wheeler once again, and I'm joined by, as usual, uh, Scott Wheeler, my brother, and uh, Tony Sacco. Hey. Hello. And we're joined by a very special guest, a man I've known for a very long time, one of our dearest friends, uh, Bill Sabo. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. Edward D. Wood Jr., (laughs) a.k.a. Ed Wood's masterpiece, Mm -hmm. (laughs) quote-unquote, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, We're going to talk about this later on in the discussion about how we came across this the first time, but uh, this is a very unique film. It's not something that's... I think easily reviewed in a traditional way like it it has its own unique qualities and we'll probably go into it but the background on the story is essentially that Ed Wood if people are familiar with the 1994 biopic by Tim Burton Ed Wood with starring Johnny Depp mm-hmm. was sort of a B Hollywood filmmaker in the 1950s B yes mm. at best <laughs> B at best well you could argue the letter but uh he was uh, kind of obviously an eccentric in a, in a lot of ways. and um, But the specific film we're talking about today was like the film I think he's best known for, at least in cinema circles. Uh, he It's the last film appearance that I can think of with Bela Lugosi, who of course was yeah. the Dracula from the 1930s in Universal. And uh, the film is definitely in this genre of science fiction which was very popular in the 50s. Like, you know, that was the height of communist, communism and, right, McCarthyism. And a lot of that was reflected in these science fiction films, which was a lot of paranoia about outsiders coming in, aliens that were trying to take over. The atomic age, yeah. Right, a lot of that, you know, after it was uh, post-Hiroshima. Hiroshima, right. Yeah. A lot of those themes played in in a part, and certainly Ed Wood attempts to address those themes in this movie. Um, he addresses them, I'd say. Yeah, he does address yeah. them. Yeah, he does Absolutely. make a point on on. He mentions stuff. the bombs. So. He does. He does. He In very it. depth, mm-hmm. very detail, mm-hmm. I might add. And the best thing to say about this film is, at one point, it was labeled the worst film ever made. It was in 1980, and this guy named Michael Medved, who's a film critic, mm-hmm. came out with a film. It was relatively an obscure science fiction film that played on television late at night, and you know those midnight shows, but. In 1980, this film, the book came out and announced it as the worst film ever made, and it developed that reputation for a while, like this was the worst film ever made. I'll discuss my view on that uh, later on, but uh, it was released in 1959. Uh, the budget was $60,000 at the time, um, and I believe Which it was... Which is quite a bit of money back then, yeah, when you think about money, it, yeah, yeah. considering what you're seeing on screen. Sure. It was, uh, and it was distributed by, I think, Valiant Pictures back then. That was the people who eventually picked it up, um, although I don't think it was any studio worth of note. It was one of those smaller independent studios that was making B-films back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'd like to get into now is 
everyone's uh, the first time they ever heard of the movie, what was their first impression when they saw it, that sort of thing. We'll start with Bill on this one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, it was uh, late at night, probably 11.30 or, or close to midnight, and I, I just walked, just got out of the shower and walked out into my bedroom and the TV was on, and I, I think it was on uh, maybe me TV or, or one of the uh, retro TV shows, and there was a late night late night program on and I walked out and I saw the scene that that I saw was when when Tor Johnson was in the cemetery as the inspector and he was going out to investigate what was going on in the cemetery and I just watched it for a second and just in that few seconds it was like this movie is so bad <laughs> I have to continue to watch it mm -hmm. and I was just mesmerized by by the horrible continuity <laughs> and <laughs> just the, I mean, the, just the scale itself of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. um, little cardboard uh, uh, tombstones and these huge people walking, traipsing around in this cemetery. <laughs> and it was just kind of mesmerizing. So that, that was my first. And then I, then I had to go get the, uh, get the whole uh, DVD and, and, and watch it because I just had to, had to do mm -hmm. it. Now, what year was that, Bill? Oh, that was, uh, that was probably about. Maybe I'm thinking six years ago, maybe somewhere around there when I first yeah mm -hmm. when I first saw it. <laughs> uh, we had been around for a while. We were uh, we were we, we had taken classes and we were squishy at the time, and thinking of a change and and, and you know, trying trying to find a new name. So that that mm -hmm. is by the way where where TV Thursday came in, and we'll, we'll talk about that maybe later. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll definitely come to that point for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott, what was your first impression of... Uh, My first impression? Not just the first impression, the first time you heard of the movie, or um, any awareness of The it. first time I saw it was uh, watching uh, the movie Ed Wood. It was the first time I became aware of it, and then the first time I saw it was with watching... Bill had the DVD, and he showed it to us. And it was just <laughs> incredibly... Amazing! It just blows you away when you watch the movie about how bad it is <laughs> and how poorly made, and, and the lines just don't make sense. And it's just like it's just unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of contradictory lines and the line, you know, a lot of dialogue. It's just you know basically saying what is happening, mm -hmm. and then it's not mm -hmm. even how people talk. You know, yeah. it's just kind of. Yeah. You know, a line that I like is, I don't like hearing noises. Yeah, especially when you're not supposed to be any. Don't like hearing noises, especially when you ain't supposed to be any. <laughs> <laughs> Which is right in the beginning of the movie, so. Absolutely. And that's just, that dialogue throughout the movie, uh, similar to that. So, you know, I, you know, it's, it's just an amazing piece of work, for sure. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that, and, uh. Um, my first impression of it is uh, I had first heard about the film when I was a kid, like in the 80s. I had this book called The People Magazine's Movie Guide or something my mom had bought for me. And they had a list at the back of the of the book that listed, uh, like, it would be like the 25 best movies in the genre and the 10 worst in the genre. And for <laughs> sci-fi, it's funny, a nine from outer space, of course, is one of the 10 worst. <laughs> it was right next to, like, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, which I, which I haven't <laughs> seen. But oh, I, that's, that's I, another one. That's another good one. I'll so have to plus. check that out eventually. But uh, and I heard it was like, this is a terrible movie. And then I had read re at some point that it was the worst film ever made. So I got really curious about that. Then I saw the movie Ed Wood. 
which I absolutely loved. I thought it was a great film, and that definitely piqued my interest with with uh, Plan Nine. But it wasn't until like uh, Bill showed it to us that I actually saw it for the first time, and man, we were hooked. We were watching it pretty religiously whenever we were bored, you know, after practice or something, just to get a kick out of it. It was so much fun. Um, Tony, what was your first uh, impression of it? Like, oh, not too familiar with that. Like, how did you first hear about it, if at all? Well, I heard about it from you guys when I asked, you know, the classic question, how did you get the name See You Thursday? And you all told me it was from this movie called Plan 9, which I'd never heard of. And for the longest time, I actually thought you guys were saying Planet Nine. <laughs> that's not a hard mistake to make of this movie. No. It could so, be called that. Yeah. Planet Nine. So that's really how I heard about it. Um, was just from conversation with you guys. This this sort of cult classic science fiction genre is not not really my type of thing. So it, I don't think it's something I would have stumbled upon naturally. You know, unless mm-hmm. I had someone tell me about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it is that. I mean, it's it's. Uh, what can I say about this movie? It, it has to be seen to be believed because there's so much inconsistency. You know, when we were talking earlier about it, yeah, there's no consistency with this movie. We were talking earlier about it being uh, the worst film ever made. I don't necessarily think it's the worst film ever made, and the reason I'll say that is. Uh, a really terrible film to me is one that's boring, that has no entertainment value, like a really bad comedy. They're really trying very hard to be funny, and it's forced. Like the Olsen twins? Yes. Any kind of Olsen twin movie is just... That's probably... That could be a contender for the worst film ever made. I consider this the most incompetent film ever made, and I think there's a huge difference, because this movie entertains me from mm-hmm. start to finish. Like, I, I find so many things that... Uh, I'd say incompetent. I think inconsistent is the key word. I think somebody dubbed it the best bad movie ever made. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a you know because its intent was to be serious. Yeah. Yeah. And and present present us with this threat Mm -hmm. of of nuclear war and and the human race destroying the universe and and it was dead serious, but the worst serious movie. Yes. (laughs) It definitely had some redeeming qualities, and I think it had. A charming nature to it. So for that, I don't necessarily. I mean, Brandon, I did doze off a little bit watching it tonight, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that it was the most horrible movie that I've ever seen. I mean, there were, I was laughing. It piqued my interest to mm-hmm. some, you know, extent. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I look at it too. Like I, I find so many things to entertain me with it, and I, I've always been drawn to that. I'm always drawn. I think the reason it works is for what you pointed out, which is that he was deadly serious about the things yeah. he was trying to address. He was trying to make an epic film on the smallest budget imaginable. Like, yeah, yeah and, and being the most horrible writer ever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that was sort of the fun in it yeah, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because yeah. he wrote, he just wrote it. You're just yeah, like, exactly. what, what, what crazy thing I, I are they going to say or do next is yeah. what I kept thinking, you know, like, <laughs> now what? The dialogue in this movie has to be heard. I mean, it is incredible. Terrible. It is so bad. But it's bad in a way that is unique. I mean, mm-hmm. here's an example of a line. Uh, the inspector has died, murdered, and somebody's responsible. Your guess is good as mine, Larry. One thing sure. Inspector Clay's dead, murdered, and somebody's responsible. Well, <laughs> from what, yes, under, 
uh, and murder, somebody has to be responsible. That's the fair definition mm-hmm. of murder. But Ed Wood has a way of writing dialogue that kind of points out the obvious and c- continues to emphasize that point. You know, it almost really reminded me, and I don't, and let me just preface this by, by saying I completely, obviously respect improv comedy mm-hmm. in every degree, but this movie, in a way, sort of reminded me of like an over-the-top improv show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the exchanges that they had and the way they sort of played off each other and how people, mm-hmm. they didn't really have, de- like, definitive characters. They were almost like talking heads. Mm-hmm. Sure. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, and then some of the things they said and the way they said them, and um, it almost seemed kind of like they were quasi-uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? it was very stilted. Like, well, for example, he, he cast a professional wrestler. Tor Johnson as an inspector. The only reason this guy was cast is he's eventually going to be a zombie and he wanted something hulking presence. But the guy is still given a shitload of dialogue to deliver in the beginning, which he cannot clearly deliver. And some of it is like that kind of, you know, buddy-buddy kind of, you know, sort of cop standard cop dialogue which he doesn't do a good job of delivering but that's why i guess that's why i could kind of sense some of that awkwardness you know sometimes you when you're doing an improv scene if you don't know where it's going or you have there everybody has that awkward moment and then you're just sort of talking and that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit but at the same time it was very entertaining it wasn't painfully awkward like like, you know bill had said you you, it's so bad that you're kind of you're you're drawn to it Yeah. There's a sincerity and, and, and charm to the tone of this movie, and I think that that shows with Ed Wood. I think that Ed Wood was a very sincere guy, and I think that's yeah. part of his yeah. charm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think that there's Ed Wood in all of us, and all of us in Ed Wood in some way. <laughs> it's just that Ed Wood didn't. Uh, he there tend to be like in, in writers and filmmakers and, and improvisers and you know artists in general. This thing where you you have you have this desire and you keep going forward. Some of us, we come to a point where we say, okay, this is enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I'm, I'm not good at it. Or you go on to, you know, getting better. Yeah. Getting better at what you do. Edward was just kind of floating in the middle there. He just, he just kept producing stuff. Um, I ha- I'm, I'm uh, uh, the proud owner of uh, his entire collection, Leonard <laughs> yeah. right. and the monster, and yeah. all of the other really bad things he did. Um, but, you know, I, I, Plan 9 is, is just kind of unique. And it has some history in it because of, you know, Bill Lugosi's last movie. And, yeah. And him dying. and Vampira. And just his. And Vampira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. Myra Nermy, mm-hmm. who was, uh, you know, very popular. And Criswell, who was, the, you know, psychic of the 50s. So. And that's the amazing thing about this movie because <clears throat> when you give it the basic plot, it's basically an alien invasion film. But it, these aliens are... Humans. Yes, they're humans. Well... That's an interesting topic in and of itself. But uh, they come to the Earth because they're trying to warn us about uh, the progression of our weaponry, like that we're going to keep progress, we're eventually going to threaten the entire universe. It's the same plot, essentially, as the day the Earth stood still, except to deliver it in a very unique way. Um, But it doesn't really explain, like, this is narrated by Criswell. He's the narrator. And it's narrated like a fairy tale in the beginning. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. like the first half of the movie has narration, and for some reason it yes. drops off completely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I read the backstory on it is that Criswell was hired as the narrator because Ed Wood wanted to make sure people understood 
why Bela Lugosi and all that stuff was involved with the alien stuff. Mm. He wanted to try and connect to that stuff. It was like the connective tissue sure. of the piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's concerned about that continuity, but not anything else. It's funny that you say that because I think that was probably my biggest... Um, I don't want to say beef because I, I really don't have any beef with the movie, but that was my biggest sort of like tip with the movie was that there was a disconnect. It was either, okay... Is this a ghoul vampire Dracula movie or is this an alien movie? I think it was really weird having the conflicting genres, trying to bring them together in the way that it was done. I can see why it would lose a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I can see why Ed Wood was very adamant about having that in there because it really was strange. I first saw it and thought, okay, this is a ghoul and vampire movie. And then it was like, okay, these human-esque aliens come down. It's just weird. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because I read the wiki article on this before we came over and it specified this film com- combines the genres of science fiction and the gothic romance. Yeah. <laughs> gothic romance. Gothic what? films. Of course. Yes. Right. Because. Uh, There's right. no romance at all. It, what they're referring to really the universal monster movie sure. style of filmmaking, sure. like Frankenstein sure. and, yeah. and Dracula. Yeah. And how those films were out of style in the 50s. They were huge in the mm-hmm. 30s and 40s, but they went out of style. Mm-hmm. Science fiction was clearly very popular at that point mm-hmm. in time. Sure. So that's, that's, that's how that came to be. But um, I think the film may have been better if he focused on one genre. But that possibly. But that's also, that's also part of what makes it so awesomely yeah. bad. Was we the fact we that wouldn't have the gem that we have now. Yeah, if exactly. Stuck to one genre. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of interesting the way he takes that kind of a a film version of the War of the Worlds uh, radio broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> flying saucers over Washington, D.C. in the newspaper report. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There is a lot what of government... Saucer scene. Saucer scene. <laughs> scene over Hollywood. That's it. Saucer, saucer scene yeah. over Washington, D.C. And then they showed stock footage of deserts, deserts. and mountain it's regions of these army vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> which is Rocket not... Monsters. If you've ever been to World, uh, Washington, D.C., that is not the terrain that you would encounter. No, no, it would be no. just like... Not, not, you can go far scary. outside of Washington, D.C. Yeah. It, it's incredible. And he uses a lot of stock footage of actual armies yes, in California sure. because yeah. obviously you cannot afford to put them on set, but they'll be, right. you'll see actual armies shooting yeah. at, <laughs> at the, these, at the, 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 the greatest flying saucers in the history of film, you know, yeah. which is, yeah, which, oh, by the way, did not look anything like cigars. <laughs> yes, because there's a freight. You, you, you constantly see pictures of uh, little cylinders. They look like little nipples. They almost look like, ha- like hats. <laughs> yeah, like little hats. Like you know what they look silver like? Silver hats. Those little candies. Those little red um, uh, g- uh, gummy candies. I can't, what are they called? Mexican dollar or not Mexican dollars, but they're called... Oh, we'll have to look it up. I can't... The name escapes me. But they basically are round and they have like a little point. They look like little hats. They're exactly the same shape as these UFOs. Mm-hmm. These little candies. Juju and fruits? Yeah. Not juju fruits, but they're yeah, made by that same company okay. where they're kind of like that gooey. Wow. But they're sh- I think they're called Mexican hats. Oh, it could be. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but. Yeah, but. That's exactly the shape of. <laughs> yeah, what and then they he said like. uh, one of the main characters, which is the pilot, which is. He's probably the, uh, um, the love interest for sure. And uh, he. He sees it because he's in a plane. He's flying a plane. I think his name is Jeff Trent, and uh, <laughs> he's in a plane. And they they come across in the air a flying saucer, which just throws a bright light. And they're you know the cockpit of the plane is very 
sparse, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, he's even grabbing the controls and he's just kind of like leaning on it. Like the controls and the controls are pretty much just a half circle, a circle plywood, to a, yeah. plywood, yeah, painted. And uh, he's talking to his wife and she's asking what happened. And he said, "He's like, ah, you know, I saw something it was shaped like a large cigar." I saw a flying saucer. Saucer? You mean the kind from up there? Yeah, it's counterpart. It was shaped like a huge cigar. But it was like, <laughs> no. not even close. Not even close the best exchanges, and she says, you know, I've never, I've never seen you in this kind of mood. And he says, well, that's because I've never been in this kind of mood. <laughs> which would make sense. <laughs> the dialogue, that, that's another great example of the dialogue, which it just, just, just kind of re- repeats itself almost. It's almost like, it's kind of like an inverted Yogi Berra speak, you know, where it's just like, yes. uh, the opening by Criswell is like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going into the future, and the future is where we'll spend the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like always pointing the obvious. Right. Well, my favorite, my favorite line is the army general uh, is asked, "Ever been to Hollywood?" Yeah, a couple times a few years back. <laughs> like so, he's he's been there a few years back, but he was like a couple times in the same year. It's what it sounded like. Year. He <laughs> wanted to spend two trips one year. Yeah, he yeah. decided to take a trip to Hollywood. So, uh, but yeah, years. That also, the colonel is responsible for probably my favorite line of dialogue in a whole film, which is. Uh, when they're explaining uh, to a younger soldier, like like yeah. what their strategy has been with flying saucers and whether yeah. they existed or not, he goes, "We weren't always firing at them, uh, but they once invaded a town, a small town, I admit, but a town of people, dead people, <laughs> dead people." <laughs> no, I guess they were never alive. I know. What I love is, albeit a small town, like <laughs> hey, it's I know it's a small town, but it was still attacked, and we should still care about it. A small town. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's the characters in this movie I really love. Like, I think uh, they all have so bad it's good moments. Like all of them, you know. Mm -hmm. I I think it's a motley crew. There's a lot of bumbling cops in this movie. He clearly did not respect uniformed cops, as he calls them in the movie. (laughs) Yes, there's a big differentiation between the detectives and the uniformed cops. You don't want to be a uniformed cop. It's basically a good. uh, Yeah, even even uh, the wife said, "I feel safer." With you, or by myself, than with him, or something like that. Yeah. She's talking about being with that cop. It's very uh, emasculating for the cop. Yeah, they're always laying down, cowering, and, you know, being exactly. saved by somebody. They're lovable. They're certainly mm-hmm. lovable characters, but, and they, you know. Yeah, they, well, they mostly, uh, they're mostly security in this movie. Mm-hmm. Bad security, leaning against cars, <laughs> and not really doing anything, and always get snuck up behind. I mean, they're terrible at their jobs. <laughs> uh, they're not like the uh, trench-coated cops. <laughs> who there's a lot of brandishing of guns in this movie where people yes. use guns as like a, to scratch their scratch head their point at people <laughs> I mean really unsafe measures for gun control which police would never you know you would never pull out your gun and then just start scratching <laughs> your neck I mean but, it was a different time though back then but, but yeah. yeah it's like you could tell the actors in this movie are just kind of just whatever you know they just don't they're not even present they're just kind of like you know, and that's what I mean everybody's just kind of like you could, they yeah. almost feel awkward or not quite sure really yeah. what's going on some people are uh, acting uh, the Vampira Vampira I mean 
She's stuck behind that tree the whole movie. <laughs> Vampire plays one of the ghouls in this movie that are controlled by the aliens. The aliens, their plot is to bring a lot of these uh, corpses back to life as soon as they die to start attacking mm-hmm. us, humans. And one of which is Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Bella Lugosi in the film uh, died well before the film was actually made. Yeah. I think uh, Lugosi died probably around 56, if I'm not mistaken. And he was actually really close to um, Ed Wood because they had worked on mm-hmm. Leonard Lendon, a variety of other films. He was like the one celebrity that Ed Wood was able to bring into his circle. And they well, filmed two different types, two movies called Tomb of the Vampire and The Ghoul Goes West, and that's where that footage was from. The Ghoul Goes yes. West. Yeah, yeah, they used so what happened was uh, he died in 56 and then they were making uh, what it was originally called Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Um, they cast another actor that to take That would actually do place. it more justice. Yeah. If you think about Grave it. Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> the reason they changed the title is because the film was funded by Baptists who were yes. offended by Grave Robbers. Grave robbers. Mm. They uh, had to change it to Plan 9 which yeah. I think is referenced in the movie as mm-hmm. the plan to bring the corpses back to life. Uh, because uh, they didn't want to offend their their financiers, <laughs> and, you know, n- n- nothing against Baptists, but I think you know, had they had they done a little research about Ed Wood, they probably would have been offended by a lot more exactly. than just grave robbers from outer space. Yes, uh, but that's beside the point. That is, yeah. Ed Wood had a reputation as a cross dresser back yeah. then, well ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, he would have fit in very well today, not so yes. much in nineteen. The way uh, some. Someone that would be offended if you watch this movie is oh, the way absolutely. women are treated. Yes, yeah. yes. In fact, there's a yes. quote by Lieutenant John Harper. He says, uh, modern women. And then the Colonel Tom Edwards says, they've been like that all th- down through the ages, especially in a spot like this. What do you make of that? Modern women. Yeah, they've been that way all down through the ages, especially in a spot like this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then... Um... The yeah. alien like throws his either yeah. girlfriend or sister or whoever the other alien is like get off out of you and, like throws her against the wall. <laughs> yes, yes. These aliens are supposed to be highly progressive in comparison to us. Treat their women ten times worse apparently than men yeah. of us had. And it's not until that moment that we realize that the aliens do not res- respect them. And that alien is Eros. He's played by the greatest acting name. You could ever think of this actor, Dudley Manlove. Dudley Manlove, wow. who has an ultimate radio voice as yes, an alien. He, he he has such a, a ridiculously polished radio voice for this movie, mm-hmm. and he delivers some of the most absurd lines mm-hmm. in cinema history. With that, oh voice. yeah, like the gasoline or the solar night. Solar night is just a very. Solar Knight is the aliens' uh, ultimate weapon in which uh, they, they are afraid that the human beings are actually going to discover this weapon that will allow us to weaponize sunlight, essentially, <laughs> and blow up the entire universe. Because apparently anything that sunlight touches will be destroyed if we were ever to utilize that weapon, which is the most absurd monologue of comparing it to gasoline. <laughs> which I don't understand. I've never really captured that whole speech completely. Yeah, you said, you know, gasoline and you take a... It will explode the source and spread every place that gasoline, our sunlight, touches. You speak of solar and night, but just what is it? Take a can of your gasoline. Say, this can of gasoline is the sun. Now, you spread a thin line of it to a ball, representing the earth. Now, the gasoline represents the sunlight, the sun particles. Here we saturate the ball with the gasoline, the sunlight. 
Then we put a flame to the ball. The flame will speedily travel around the earth, back along the line of gasoline to the can, or the sun itself. It will explode this source and spread to every place that gasoline, our sunlight, touches. Explode the sunlight here, gentlemen. You explode the universe. And then after he gives this big speech of what Solar Night is, John, one of the guys, says, he's mad. He said, mad? And then that's when Tana defends him, saying, that he's mad? You know, look at what your planet's doing, you know? And then he's like, enough! <laughs> In my <laughs> land, women are for advancing the race, not fighting men's battles. <laughs> so he, th- he was offended that a woman stuck up for him. Um, hey, how progressive. Yeah, they're not really that progressive. But they are funny. They are, uh, it is always... Uh, Always, the dialogue's always great. That it is. And um, I, I think, uh, I find this movie incredibly entertaining because of all those elements. I, the, the acting, the dialogue, and I think the only reason it works on that level for me is because of the sincerity of everybody making this film. You can tell they aren't uh, accomplished actors, most of them. You know, he certainly is, is. He has this talent for writing really bad dialogue that kept sure. that you could, yeah. that's quotable, mm-hmm. and um, and and then there's the editing, which he was the editor on the film sure. as well. He was the writer, director, producer, producer and oh editor. My gosh. This is an Edward production all the way, uh, where he, obviously continuity is not uh, a concern for Edward. <laughs> no, it's nighttime one second and it's full dark. Yeah, uh, light yeah, the next. I always like to look uh, at movies for, for continuity issues. Like, even like in, in the original Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, when Han Solo is, is going, he says, um, you go on ahead and I'll go down and, and, and man, charge up the main guns. And that sequence in there, if you look at it, is out of, out of lip sync. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a no-no back then. But, you know, that... But those things you have to really kind of look for in movies. Mm-hmm. With Ed Wood, there's no problem finding any continuity. <laughs> no. I mean, it's like, no. yeah, you, you have to try to find something that it's makes consistent in how consistently. Uh, inconsistent it is. Right, yeah. exactly. audio, sound, sets. Yeah. It could be nighttime. It could be daytime. Right. You know, there you can see strains on things. Sure. Yep. You know, you know, like the strings on things is what strings on things is one thing. That was a lot of things. <laughs> but um, I feel like the, the the difference between night and day. Come on, yeah, yes. I mean that's just really laziness, oh, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, basic well, stuff, you know. It's yeah. the sixty thousand dollar budget filming whenever you can. I guess that's so. Right. Yes. I guess it really was. Yes. That's right. That's I, a lot can of you money imagine though, seeing this? Yeah, it was a lot. I think color? it was a lot of money back then. Oh, I, it would can be. Can you imagine how much you'd pick up on it to film more in color? Well, it's interesting you bring that up, Tony, because we'll bring that up later on, actually. Uh, but um, one aspect of this movie that I really do like is the music. I actually like the mm-hmm. the, the score. is actually oh. pretty good in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's memorable. It, it kind of yeah. sets a good mood. Um, did Edward do that too? No, Edward did not compose the score for this movie. I, the score was actually composed by. Um, let's see here. I'm bringing this up. Well, rather than keep the law, I will I will look for the composer. But uh, mm. it, it, it's a good score. Like I think it's a uh, it's a classic science fiction film. I think yeah. it sets the tone for it, it really well. It certainly fit the mood and what was going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh... good use of music too. I 
Would I? Oh yeah, I mean it was the best thing. It was probably the best cinematic thing about the movie probably. was the music. Yeah. Um, the acting's inconsistent across the board. Mm-hmm. Some people really commit to it. Some people put no effort into right. their performance. Um, some people overperform. I think the I think the uh, the aliens, the people from outer space, probably put the most effort consistently. I think uh, uh, the leader uh, Bunny Beckenridge uh, is uh, pretty interesting in this movie. The way mm-hmm. that he performs. I mean, I'm sure it's not on purpose or he's making choices. He's just doing what he does. But he's very interesting on screen. He's very flamboyant. Very yeah, flamboyant. Definitely. Uh, if you've seen the Ed Wood movie, it was played by Bill Murray in that film, brilliantly, I might add. And uh, but he he's great because he just goes bring in the big one, and he <laughs> puts his uh, hand up in a really interesting gesture. Mm-hmm. The score was composed by Gordon Zoller was was the guy's name, um, and I guess he used stock recordings of works by a dozen composers. So he was the guy who kind of uh, wow, like brought it together. Yeah, see Frankenstein, this whole uh, soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys think uh, in in general about the film? Like, uh, would would this be something? Uh, do you agree with the assessment that it's the most? Uh, it's so bad, it's good, or do you think it's just a flat out bad movie that shouldn't be seen? <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear that yeah, we all, yeah, we're all fans, right? right. Yeah. And I think it's like the it's like the you know when you when you're out. Somewhere and, and you you have your camera with you, your iPhone with you, whatever you're taking pictures with now, and, and you say, well, you know, there's not enough light. Um, well, I, I there's you know the shadows aren't right. I'm not going to take this picture. Well, you take the picture mm-hmm. because you can throw it away. Yeah. yeah. The and this is a movie that should have been filmed. Yes. And was filmed. Mm-hmm. And it's not the worst movie ever. And one of the things that that we were inspired to do, I think, around that time when we first started to see it, is look for other bad movies. Mm-hmm. One of them is Turkish Star Wars. Um, oh, wow. yeah. If you get a chance to Google Turkish Star Wars, you will see a bad movie. Yeah. Um, it's not entertaining. It's only entertaining <laughs> in the sense that it's like, what in the heck are they doing? Well, it's, it's in Turkish. It's, it's, it's in Turkish. Turkish. It's Turkish. Yeah. And it's, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably sets the record for most copyright infringement. Right. But, you know, right. I don't think any of that and, was legal. And we have, you know, we have the movies now like, like Sharknado and those kind of things. But it's, now there's an intent to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's an intent to make a bad movie. Which which kind of just takes away, you know, like in improvisation, if you have an intent to do something on on stage, it usually falls apart. Whether for good you. or bad, yeah. yeah, it's like in a discovery thing, and this was an intent to make a, a socially significant movie. Yeah, from a really bad writer and a really <laughs> really bad producer <laughs> and a really bad editor and a really bad director and writer, and it just you know it's, it just happened that way. It's just a it's a happy accident, is what exactly. I consider it. It's a happy yeah. accident. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's some. It's like art gone wrong, but in an artistic way. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I wouldn't say um, it's very entertaining. It's very funny. Um, is it the worst movie? It's probably one of the most inept movies ever made. Yes. Like people making it have no genius at doing what they're doing. Right. The the, uh, the Ed Wood is just not a great director by the classical sense. Um, he is very creative. Um, but he doesn't have any. Um, he doesn't have any sophistication to what right. he's doing. That's he's, a great he's not a great. He's not a great writer. Um, probably he has probably spent a lot of time thinking. He's about not how great at the execution. He seems yeah. more of like a visionary than someone who is good at actually executing things. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think he's he's a hustler. I mean, he gets mm-hmm. gets stuff made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets it as quickly. I don't think he's diligent. I don't think he he is a he's definitely not a perfectionist at all by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I think he's just the guy who's like, I got my movie made, and that's good enough for me. And uh, there's something to it. It makes there's a charm to this movie mm-hmm. that misses from a lot of movies. It's like you just look at it like, oh, okay. You know, this is not, like Bill said, this is not intended to be bad. This people that made it, uh, well, was intending to make a really good movie. I think a good thing for me to kind of compare it to, not because these movies, they're very different, so that's not the comparison I'm trying to make, but when I think of this movie, in a, in a way, I'm kind of reminded of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, just because I see a lot of similar elements and qualities to it, where it was a movie that was, I personally love Rocky Horror, I mean... It's one of my favorite movies, but a lot of people don't like it. They think, mm-hmm. you know, it's campy and it's not well, it's not made well and the songs are bad and the writing's bad. But, you know, Richard O'Brien had that dream, much like Ed Wood, to create something, a substance, something with good, you know, Broadway music. And, mm-hmm. and I love, personally, I love the soundtrack, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's the same sort of thing. Yet people latch onto it and they're drawn to either the weirdness of it or they can identify with it. And I think this movie is, and Ed Wood in general, is kind of has that same effect on people. Yeah. Where it's a happy accident, or people are drawn to the the not quite, not quite right, or it isn't quite perfect, but that's what makes people like it. Uh, yeah, I, I I would definitely see that. I mean, I would say the difference maybe between something like Rocky Horror and Plan 9 is self-awareness. I think Richard mm-hmm. O'Brien was very self-aware making Rocky Horror campy. Like, yeah. I think they, he kind of knew what he was doing. There's a self-assuredness to that production. It's so what it is. It's so uh, fully realized as what it is and uncompromising with what it is mm-hmm. that's going to draw a certain demographic where I think Ed Wood wanted the broadest audience possible but that did not have the tools to accomplish that. And what happened out of that is this cult classic because it's so weird. Mm-hmm. But it, what resulted was so weird because of the lack of self-awareness right. With, right. with what he was attempting to do. Right. Um, yeah, it's almost like a, like a high school or college kid who was trying yeah, to make a movie yeah, kind yeah. of mm-hmm. way. He made it. He made it and he, and he got it out there and it's still there and people are still watching it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think his, his just the dialogue it's like he's following an outline mm-hmm. of a movie that he's supposed to do. And, and that's, I, if, if, if it's time now, how we, we came about our name. Um, you know, a lot of troops, they, you know, there's some catchy thing that they, they get for an improv troupe or an yeah. improv show that, you know, it's uh, out of our heads and, you know, that was one. And um, squishy is another one. You just get, you know, these these fun names, but, but the thing that kind of inspired us, I think, was was the abruptness of his of his dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. the, uh, the, the pilot and his wife are in this embrace, and there's all of this scary stuff going on right over in the cemetery. And up above, you know, there's uh, flying saucers everywhere. And <laughs> it's, it's really, really a dangerous situation that they're in, and they're in this embrace because he has to go off and fly somewhere else on some mission. And um, so they're in this embrace, and he says, I do love you, darling, and then they kiss, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, it just goes on. And then after, after the kiss, he just pauses for a minute, and he reaches down and grabs his suitcase and says, see you Thursday. 
He just takes off and gets in the car and goes. Yeah. Gets in like, the car on the wrong a, side. Yeah, they all, the everybody side, gets, yeah. so yeah. many people can't get in the passenger side. <laughs> they get in the passenger side and screwed over. Like the driver's side door yeah. doesn't so, work. Yeah, so, it, you know, that goes beyond continuity to just like Ed Wood's going, okay, I have to have a romantic scene here, so here's a romantic scene, but now i got to move on to the next thing. So it's, see you Thursday, and he's off and gone, and now he's up in the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that, t- to me, it was kind of the... The surprises that you can see on the improv stage, and that kind of depicted that in the the, the change in the abruptness. It was just it was just kind of a stupid thing, mm-hmm. but it's, no, it's I fun. guess that's I, I see yeah. the same thing. That's why yeah. I thought certain scenes you feel like you're kind of watching an improv scene in a good yeah. way. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. this movie has been very inspiring for me in the same way as with Bill, which is like there's so many lines from this movie that just stick with me after a while. That's why I love this movie because. There's so many lines of dialogue. I love just absurdity. Like, I love when the unexpected happens, which is why I'm a big fan of this, because it wouldn't work for me if it was aware. If there was an awareness to it where they're trying to be funny, I would hate the movie And and Mm -hmm. if I thought it was just intentionally campy like this. What what I love about it is that he was trying to make a very serious statement about... Uh, a post like kind of the Cold War environment mm-hmm. that was developing, and and nuclear weapons, and you know the the future of the human race, <laughs> and it ends up with the most <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> movie ever made. You know, and it's remembered for reasons that had nothing to do with his original intent. It's remembered because it's so absurd, and the dialogue is so weird, and it's completely miscast in a great way, and mm-hmm. you know, and no continuity whatsoever incompetence like i said it's just like a lot of things just were done and i he was an ADD sloppy. director yes sloppy sloppy, a great sloppy. Way. oh yeah so obviously yeah. he just wanted to get it out there to have it under his belt yes absolutely um it's you know i don't even say this this is his most incompetent film either we've seen a ton mm-hmm. of oh yeah glinda glinda is very Glenda, incompetent yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah. takes a lot of he's very uh on top of taking footage from stock footage sure. Because he didn't have a lot of money, so he yeah. used whatever footage he had, and he would take stock footage of actors that he had worked with on other projects, and then try to displace it into this project. It's like it really is like a Frankenstein movie. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. And it, it seems like a lot of his other—I haven't seen much of his other work, but mm-hmm. I have seen the Tim Burton film, mm-hmm. so I have an idea. But yeah, it seems very Frankenstein. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's very hodgepodge, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just kind of pieced together. Like a, that's why I say it reminds me of almost like the early days of YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we were trying to make videos and edit them ourselves, mm-hmm. and they were just off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like Frankenstein, if you're using the American Frankenstein metaphor, it rebelled against its creator and became its own thing, you know? <laughs> it didn't go with exactly what is the creator's original intent at all. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love it for those reasons. I mean, there are lines like dialogue, like, like I've just found one tonight that I probably have missed before about Albuquer- Albuquerque is a nine o'clock town apparently in the 1950s that <laughs> yeah, when you're going for a nightlife you weren't going to go through Albuquerque this is clearly pre-breaking bad you know <laughs> well it's funny because one of the uh, people um, um, they're they're on the plane and one of the, the co-pilot is uh, trying to hit on the stewardess the head stewardess oh, yeah. and uh, he's asking her out and they're gonna apparently they're gonna land in Albuquerque sure. so he's asking her he's like hey how about that Albuquerque ball you know and 
Because I said, like, well, we're going to land at 4 a.m. Albuquerque is strictly a 9, 9 o'clock town. So <laughs> it's really an indictment on the party scene in Albuquerque. <laughs> it was. I mean, Albuquerque sounded very lame in this I movie. I wonder if he had a bad experience in Albuquerque and... It sounds like he did, revenge. yeah. He loved Los Angeles, though, because it's clearer they filmed in Hollywood. And they keep saying Hollywood, yeah, yeah, but this yeah. is a Hollywood movie. Almost everything was it's filmed Hollywood, <laughs> on the outskirts of the, Hollywood. The saucers. Well, yeah. we'll, be going to, we'll be landing in Albuquerque this next summer, so I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah let, let us know let us if it's a 9 o'clock town. I doubt it yeah. is at this point in time. Yeah, it's uh, I, I mean, I, I think if Albuquerque's like any other town, there's probably bars and... I'll tell you what is a nine o'clock town, and this is true. Mount Airy, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Is the inspiration for Mayberry Art? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I would say it's probably like a six or seven o'clock town. Um, Yeah, everything, restaurants, you would think restaurants would be open. Nope. Everything shuts down. The only thing that was open is like this little coffee shop that would stay open until about nine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, maybe just a few gas stations in here and there, but. A lot of the local businesses, everything shut down, even mm -hmm. in the summer. <laughs> a friend of mine used to live in Wyndham, Ohio, and they had a one restaurant in the whole city that was only open to like five. <laughs> so that was a five <laughs> o'clock town. Yeah, yeah. Wyndham, Wyndham's a scary place. Yes, it was a scary place. It was, a, it was a, um, a war project for, oh. for yeah, because the Ravenna Arsenal was close. Right. To the, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the uh, during World War Two. Guys that worked at the arsenal were soldiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a weird section of Northeast Ohio during during the arsenal and everything. I think, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's uh, Albuquerque is a nine o'clock town at the very least. We have that established. So, what is everybody's final thoughts on the movie? Like, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you'd like to discuss, or what's your overall impression of it, or Tony? Well, um. I think to myself, I ask myself these questions, would I purchase this movie? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Would I watch it again? Probably. No need to purchase this movie, by the way. That's it's right. on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> um, did I think, you know, it was horrible? No. Have I seen better? Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm sort of indifferent about it. I respect it and appreciate it for what it is. Um, but it wouldn't go in my mm -hmm. favorites list. You know what I mean? But it wasn't. I'd recommend it if you're listening out there and you've never seen it, and obviously now you're curious. Take a look on YouTube, see for yourself. Yes. You know, I definitely like the, uh, for all of the elements that we sort of discussed, the unintentional humor um, and just the general quirkiness of it, I thought was, I thought was endearing, and I like it for those reasons. Not really big on the sci-fi stuff, but mm -hmm. at least they were played by humans. They weren't... Mm -hmm. Like clay, or I don't know, like weird well, looking creatures. Well, if you're going to watch Ed Wood, it's a good thing that you're not real big on the sci-fi stuff. There's a lot of sci-fi stuff well, in it. Yeah, so, well, and, anyway. and the Ed Wood movie, it's more so about his life and him. They don't really go into, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, I think there's just that one few scenes at the end where they're making this movie, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a much better. That's a that's a good movie. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a legitimate. Yeah, that's you know, a, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Like movie that's intended to be made good, and it's yeah. very. Yeah. Really I, I really meant to say Plan Nine, not. Uh, <laughs> plan nine. Yeah. Not to be Planet Nine. Yeah, if you're gonna watch, yeah, if you're gonna watch Plan Nine, then don't go in with a lot of. Uh, yeah. Judgments about sci-fi because it's no. In there. Mm -hmm. It's almost like an extended Twilight um, Zone episode gone bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Rod without Sterling. Rod Sterling. A little bit better writer. Than, he was. Yeah. Slightly, just <laughs> slightly. But, uh, yeah. So, Bill, any final thoughts on the movie in general? Uh, you know, I just, like I said, you know, I, once in a while is good to see it, mm-hmm. I think so. And, and I think it should have been made. I think it's great that it was made. I think that even in the, in the Columbus, Ohio community, there are people out there making independent films that are far better yeah. than Plan 9. Uh-huh. But it was, you know, in its time, it was what it was, mm-hmm. and, and Edward was dead serious about it. And that's what makes a great debacle of an attempt to be, you know, culturally, socially significant. Mm-hmm. Scott? Well, I agree with both uh, what they said. You know, I think it's a culturally significant movie in terms of, you know, this, you know, as people deem it the worst movie ever made. And there's a lot of ideas around if it's the worst movie ever made or whatever. Um, it's not the least. It, it's not the least entertaining movie ever made. It's actually very entertaining and it's very watchable and it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a cult movie. Um, you know, I, it's definitely a movie that you can watch with a bunch of people and have a great time. So, you know, keeping, I, I have a little system I use for two stars uh, for the entertainment value. I think that's great. Uh, and I also have a star system for how well the movie's made. <laughs> and I said, I'll give it a half a star considering that they weren't working with a lot of money. Actually, that was a decent amount of money back then. Sixty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand. I mean, it wasn't like they were, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll give it half a star. Uh, So two and a half stars. I definitely, I love this movie. I recommend it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think it's the most enjoyable movie. Just don't expect, you know, great cinema when you watch it. It's not like a Scorsese or a Spielberg movie. If you like sci-fi mixed with gothic uh, themes, this is. This is the way to go <laughs> if you like hodgepodge type movies. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly with Scott. I, I really can't change much of, uh, uh, add anything else to what Scott's already said or, or Bill has already said. I, I love this movie for that very reason. It's very entertaining for me. Um, you know, it's something I would only recommend to certain people with a certain sensibility that can appreciate this stuff and have mm-hmm. a sense of humor about this yeah. stuff. I wouldn't recommend it because we've known people that hate this movie when we've watched it oh, with people they, they'll walk out of the room and not want anything to do with it mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people <laughs> I'm the total opposite and I highly recommend it I think if you have any interest in cinema even if you're not going to enjoy the movie I think it's important if you're interested in cinema at all to see this as an example of what not to do what not to do <laughs> in filmmaker more, yeah. more importantly like where people stood even as a time capsule of where people were in the mm-hmm. 50s it's kind of a good way of what their fears were and their sensibilities. Yeah. There are better made films, obviously, like The Day of the Earth Stood Still on the same themes. But Well, well to its, to its uh, credit and in its defense, I think uh, I would say that there were probably, during that time period and before and shortly after, films that were much better made films, much more uh, professional films, mm-hmm. uh, cinematically, uh, in the scripts. Um, but nobody's 50 years later, 50 odd years later, mm-hmm. still talking about those movies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, and we're still not. talking about Edward because mm-hmm. of the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the weird significance. So, 
that's my litmus test for the test of time is that people are still talking yeah. about it even well after its initial run. And Good, it's still making lists. This may not be on the right, right. list, but... So as usual, I'd like to let people know where you can find this movie if you want to watch it. And my favorite format to watch a film, if you can't see it in a theater, which I would love to see this movie in a theater with a crowd. Maybe Capital will do it one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully the organ, hopefully. they'll do something. But uh, um, it is available on Blu-ray. I found this out today. Oh, wow. And it was released in 2012 by a company called Legend. Uh, there are two cuts of the film. One is a colorized cut, oh, which I wow. highly would not recommend. I haven't seen it, but... I would. I want to see it in color. <laughs> uh, it, it would be absolutely awful. And, and, be... and you'd be able to see the strings and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this movie is a black and white film. And thankfully, that's also available on the, on the Blu-ray as well. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and try to check that out if you can. Yeah. And I don't know if you can still get the set on, on Amazon or not, but I, I'm sure you can. It has Leonard Glenda and Monster and and Plan Nine and a couple of other mm-hmm. weird odd things that he did. So yeah, if you, if you dig this movie, you'll dig a lot of the other stuff that would produced as well, like Leonard Glenda and all the other movies, which we'll have to get to at some point as Someday, well. Someday, but you know, not now. Yeah, but uh, Glenda is, that's a weird one. That's, you gotta, you gotta, it's just, yeah, that's yeah, weird is uh, <laughs> it is a unique film. I'll say that much. Bill is also an educator, and he's uh, involved with a variety of other programs as well. Um, not only is he involved with Columbus Unscripted, Scripted, which is the banner, um, I'd say, organization that carries theaters and various other improv groups, but they also teach improv classes. And he's also involved with um, the Healing Circles program. Heal, healing Broken Circles, yeah, it's Marion. Yeah, we, we call our portion of it Changing Time. Changing time, excellent. And oh, I like that. you're currently working with um, inmates at the Marion Correctional yes. Institute. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a. Uh, we we went to a TEDx at uh, Marion Correctional. Uh, it was a year ago, June, and um, Marion is the first prison in the uh, world to actually have held a TEDx from the prison with the inmates in charge. So. That we we got there and they they expressed an interest in improvisation and theater, and so we uh, we said yeah we'll see what we can do and uh, the Jason Bunty who is the uh, warden at Marion, um, he said you know if if you would like to help we would love to have you, he said but please don't just talk about it do it, <laughs> so so we kind of just jumped on board and. It was. Uh, it took a while to put it together, but we are. We've been there now for probably six months, and we go on Mondays. We do improv on Mondays, and we just started a theater program with uh, Jesse Glover Betcher, who is a theater professor at Ohio State, and um, she is a, a, an original member of the Wild Goose Board. Oh wow! And um, on Thursday mornings, uh, she's teaching theater. She also teaches at the Marion campus of, of OSU. So. So we go there on Thursdays, and then on Fridays we do it in the evening. We do a, a five thirty um, recovery service, which is recovering uh, um, drug and alcohol uh, program for, for therapy and recovery. So that's our Mary. We're gonna we'll have some more shows from there. We just had a show from there Sunday, and yeah. Sean and Scott and Tony were all involved. And, and it, was it, was a, it was a blast. It was a blast and a great show. There's a lot of talent there. Oh it's yeah. A, uh, I, I would encourage you to look on the. Uh, 
the Marion TEDx uh, Facebook page and watch it because they're going to do another TEDx in November, I nice. believe. And yes. you know, Eventbrite is is a place where you can go to sign up and and go to prison for a day. And I got to tell you, I've never had as much fun as I've ever as I've had in prison, <laughs> which sounds really weird, and I'm sure a lot of people mm -hmm. can't use that in the same sentence, but. I always tell people that, you know, I, I came up in the 60s and 70s and we, you know, I, I definitely was was an activist and did the marches and uh, women's rights and, and civil rights and anti-war and, and, you know, thought I had broken down all my stereotypes until I walked into that TEDx on mm -hmm. a year ago June and said, well, no, I guess I have not uh, broken down all the walls yet. <laughs> so we're working on that. Yeah. yeah Excellent. There, there, there are humans in there. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, from our experience, because we recently uh, helped out with a show that was put on recently at, at for the program, uh, just how much of an impact it seems to have. People are using uh, creative outlets as a way of expressing what they're going through, and, and you're really seeing reformation taking place as a result, and uh, it's a very moving experience. Well, so. one, of the, um, one of the things that right now it's on temporary hold, uh, but we will uh, reignite it soon, I hope. Um, as we are, we were Skyping our shows. Mm -hmm. uh, we Skyped from the Chicago Improv Festival and we're Skyping our shows from the Wild Goose Creative into the prison so they can actually watch and be part of the audience. And also Skyping from Marion mm -hmm. to our shows. Uh, they, a few weeks ago they opened for us. We had a, a little glitch and, and we only had audio, but so we put some of our people up on stage and, and kind of did a... <laughs> A puppet sort of uh, thing. They they did the audio. We did the vi uh, visual. And <laughs> it was uh, it worked out really well. Yeah, it worked out really well. So so that's something you can check the website and see when you know Marion's going to be uh, mm -hmm. at one of our shows or when we're going to Skype in. I think we'll be doing that in our upcoming festival, our, which is now gone. Uh, <laughs> it's in the future. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're back to the future. <laughs> that's right. So, it will be it, coming up again in October. Yes, <laughs> it will. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for Plan 9. I want to thank everyone for joining us as usual, and I especially want to thank our guest, Bill Sabo. He Thanks was outstanding. Yes. Yeah, we had a great time. And, it was like a time from outer space. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, was uh, it was out of this world. Yeah, let's hope the podcast is better than the movie. Yes. <laughs> let's hope. And if it let's isn't, hope. we did that on purpose. We did that on purpose, yeah. yeah. Yes. We, we intended to make a very, very serious podcast about We did. About we we did, and hopefully, if it if it didn't pan out, it was so bad. It's it's good, and mm -hmm. and as you can remember, to close, the future is always upon us. That's where we will end up. The future. That's where we yeah. live. That's right. In the future, spend the rest of our lives. That's where we'll spend the rest of our lives. Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, see you next time. obstacle the earth people will put in our way well as long as they can think we'll have our problems but those whom we're using cannot think they are the dead brought to a simulated life by our electrode guns you know it's an interesting thing when you consider the earth people who can think are so frightened by those who cannot the dead well our ship should be regenerated we better get started <laughs>